This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 459. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you once again for listening. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, why Australia is among the world's leading producers of e-waste. And we're coming into smartphone season and the rumours are already flying. We're going to take a look at what we can expect from Apple, Samsung and Google and how you can get creative with the new Cricut smart cutting machines. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new EFM Austin Bluetooth speaker and then two products that can keep your home clean and healthy. And your tech questions will all be answered in the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. E-waste is otherwise known as, it's a shortened for the term electronic waste. So e-waste is short for electronic waste. And generally, this is made up of discarded products with either a battery or a plug. So we're talking computers, old appliances, other other electronic items, and also mobile phones. Mobile phones are we we're updating our phones a lot lot quicker than we update our computers and other electronic devices. So mobile phones make up a huge part of e-waste. I'd bet as well that you listening to this show right now. I'd bet you've probably got another phone or two kicking around in a drawer somewhere at your place. If that's the case, then it's maybe time to get them recycled. That's the whole issue here. There were some figures released by the Global E-Waste Monitor who said that by 2030, Global E-Waste will reach 74 million metric tonnes. So the the last assessment was back in 2019 where we produced 53.6 million metric tonnes. Or, in other words, if that was made up entirely of iPhone 11s, that 53.6 million metric tonnes will form a pile big enough to bury the Empire State Building. That's how much we're talking about. Uh, the, this website, Electronics Hub, actually visualised what it would look like. It's, it's okay to say, to mention a figure, but they actually created some some graphics, and they're on my story on Tech Guide to illustrate what that m- amount of e-waste looks like. So one day of e-waste from 2019, that's that would be 140,000 metric tons. That is enough to build a pile larger than the Taj Mahal. That's just one day of e-waste from 2019. One month of e-waste from 2019, we're talking 4.47 million metric tonnes. 
That's a pile of e-waste that would dwarf London's 180-metre-tall Gherkin skyscraper. But the predictions of the 74.74 million metric tonnes by 2030, that's going to be quite a pile. In fact, it would match the height of one World Trade Centre, which is a massive 541.32 metres tall and has a footprint of 3,716.12 square metres. So a massive pile of e-waste. And the funny thing about all this, well, not funny, I guess, but Australia is actually in the top five countries of the highest producers of e-waste per capita. We are fifth behind countries like Norway, the United Kingdom, Switzerland, and Denmark. So these figures, this is based on those 2019 figures. So they, they weighted up, they, they calculated the amount of e-waste produced and then compared it to the population. So that gets you that per capita figure. Norway, per capita in 2019, produced 26 kilograms of e-waste, followed by the United Kingdom on 23.9, Switzerland, 23.4, Denmark, 22.4, and in fifth place is Australia, 21 Now, Australia comes in fifth on that list, and that is ahead of countries like the United States, France, Japan, Canada, Sweden, Finland, Germany. Australia's in the the top five. Why is that? You're probably wondering. Well, Australians have a huge appetite for technology. Now, there's a there's like an imperfect storm. I'm not going to call it a perfect storm because this is the situation is that the our appetite for technology is growing. Our need for tech is growing. And I'm talking to you now from New South Wales in the, the Australian state in New South Wales. I'm living in Sydney and we're currently in a, yet another lockdown. So we, we have to work from home, learn from home, do everything from home. And we need technology to do that. And, and in a lot of cases, there's a lot of Australians who would have had to update their computer or their laptop or need a new keyboard or need a, a, to improve their wireless network. So they need a new modem. All these things that we're using. And, th- and this isn't just in the lockdown state. We, we use technology every single day. There are more smart products that we're buying now. More, we update our smartphones more often. Australians have traditionally been viewed as a very tech-savvy nation. And as a result, our appetite for technology is growing. But here's the other thing that occurs. When something goes wrong, the, the lifespan of, of that product is shorter. But if there is something that goes wrong with that product, the, the, the issue is that there is no real repair option. What we tend to do is replace them. So the lifespan of those products are a lot smaller. So we're seeing, yes, we're buying more. Then they're not lasting us as long, maybe a year or two. After that period, if, or even if something goes wrong, well, we're not going to pay to repair it because it's probably cheaper just to buy a new one. So there's this whole repair cycle. It's really, that, that's why the, the amount of e-waste is piling up. The other issue is that many parts of the world, the regulatory advances are quite small, uh, sorry, quite slow. So with, with the, the, a lot of nations around the world, there's no clear e-waste or recycling pathway. So there are many countries where 
people don't know what to do with their e-waste. In fact, there's a lot of people in Australia who don't know what to do with their e-waste. There are many places where you can take your discarded technology. And it's not just the waiting for the council cleanups, although that is a good time to do that because the councils responsibly recycle all of those products. The council, I know my council has a monthly e-waste day. So you can drive, you can take your car, drive in all your all your e-waste that you want to get rid of. And again, that's the anything with a plug, with a battery, so your computers, your old phones, old appliances, washing machines, you name it, that can all be taken in. And when that is done and done responsibly, none of that stuff ends up in landfill. So what they do, they take all of those things apart. They, they reutilize the plastic, the precious metals, the circuit boards. Everything is re- reused to either create the next generation of products or to make things like park furniture or uh, bottles, all these things that, that, are, that can be used rather than ending up in landfill. So those figures we quoted before, 74 million metric tonnes they're projecting by 2030, if it is a lot clearer where and how you can dispose of these products, then we're going to see those those numbers plateau. It's going to be a, a, a matter of recycling and, and your old phone will end up being recycled into the next phone. So that's the kind of cycle we need to get into. So the Global E-Waste Monitor is, is keeping an eye on that. But also the International Telecommunications Union is also battling to get all of these nations to... Try, try to get more of, of those regulations and e-waste so- recycling uh, programs started. So they're hoping that by 2023 that the, the number of countries who have e-waste policies in place goes from 17, 17.4% in 2019, uh, the figure that it was then, up to 30% hopefully by 2023. Really important thing, I think a lot, a lot of you probably listening right now, they think, oh yeah, I want to recycle, but I don't know how to do it, I don't know where to do it. I do know for a fact that Officeworks accept a lot of recycled products, not just ink cartridges, but old phones, old computers. So there are a lot of retailers, even the post office accepts re- old ink cartridges and things like that for you to recycle. But it's simply a matter of seeing in your area. You'll be very surprised if you Google e-waste near me, you will find that there are companies nearby that can either pick up your old e-waste or allow you to drop it off. In the current COVID situation in New South Wales, a lot of these places aren't accepting drop-offs, but a lot of them will pick up in your area. So keep an eye, it may, may be worth taking a look. That, look, that, those old phones you got knocking around in your drawer, I know a lot of people say, look, the reason I have them, I'm hanging on to them just in case something goes wrong with my phone. Nothing's going to go wrong with your new phone. The, the old phone that's kicking around in your drawer is just taking up space. Easiest thing for you to do, get it recycled so it can be produced and made into something else because this is a real problem that we are facing because... Technology isn't going to go away. In fact, we're going to be using technology even more into the future. And then at the end of their life cycle, the problem is going to be, what do we do with them? You want to read more about the e-waste figures and see where Australia ranks. There's a whole list of countries there where they rank per capita. The amount of e-waste generated Australia is fifth on that list. But you can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec.
Well, here we are already in the second half of 2021. Can you believe it? This year's flying by. But what that traditionally, that period normally kicks off what I always call smartphone season. And we're talking about devices we can expect from Apple, from Samsung, and Google. And we could see products as early as next month because Samsung normally have an event in August and rumours are that they will have an event mid-August to reveal the latest generation of Galaxy Z Fold. Now, last year, the Galaxy Z Fold 2, which I reviewed and I really liked, uh, that was $3,000. The rumour is, a couple of rumours actually, that the first rumour is the Galaxy Z Fold 3 we will see that this year, but the the biggest whisper about that product is that it may include the S Pen. Now, this is a, the pen that's normally uh, included with the Galaxy Note. It slides uh, into the chassis of the phone, and from from all rumours, apparently Samsung has made the screen front screen slightly smaller, the inside screen slightly smaller. I suspect, to accommodate the S Pen. So it will be able to slot up into the device rather than you have to carry it around loose. Now, I know earlier this year when they released the Galaxy S21 Ultra, it was that that product could was, was compatible with the S Pen, but there was nowhere to put it. Though I think they were selling covers and cases that could accommodate the S Pen. Whether that's what we see with the Z Fold 3, is, a, is another matter, but the rumours are leading to the product being able to accommodate an S Pen. My other question on this is generally the foldable screen on the inside, and Generation 1 had w- well-documented problems. Generation 2 addressed those, but it still remains that that foldable screen, which is made up of a razor-thin sheet of glass, by the way, that, uh, that isn't plastic, but yet no matter what it's made of, the fact remains it's quite delicate. So having an S Pen on a screen of that nature, I'm wondering they must have made some incredible advances to improve the durability of that screen. So we we wonder, we wait and wonder. Mid-August, I, I think they're saying, is when the Samsung event is due to take place, their, their traditional unpacked unpacked uh, event. Without COVID, I would be at that event. It probably usually held in New York, the August event. And the August event also used to be around the Galaxy Note product. But with the S Pen, the rumours of it becoming part of the Fold family, I'm not sure whether we're going to see another Galaxy Note, whether the Galaxy S series of phones is going to take over from that. The S Ultra, as I said, the S21 Ultra can work with with the S Pen. So I'm not sure what Samsung's strategy is going to be around continuing the Note line of products. I do know that there are a lot of customers that love that product, and I'm sure there'll be some kind of reaction if they discontinue that and decide to push on with the S Pen, with the Galaxy Z Fold with an S Pen included. The other rumor that I'm hearing too is that just on the cost of the Z Fold 3, Z Fold 2, when it came out, was $2,999. Let's call it $3,000. The other rumor is that they may produce a Galaxy Z Fold Lite, so a smaller, more affordable version of the Z Fold with a smaller front screen, smaller inside screen. We're talking maybe a 4-inch front screen, 6-inch inside screen, so it'll be a step down from that, that, that flagship product but a lot cheaper than the, the expected two and a half to $3,000 price tag of the Z Fold 3. 
uh, we'll we'll wait and see that. Hopefully, uh, mid August is is when we're when we uh, we're hearing there may be an event to announce those products. But then on to Apple. Apple is as expected in September. They're expected to release the iPhone 13. That's the next in the line, and the rumors are flying thick and fast about the iPhone 13. The the consistent thing that we're hearing is that the design of the phone won't change. It did have a major redesign last year with the Galaxy. Sorry, with the iPhone 12, it did change from it having the curved edges to more of the flat edges and was the company's first 5G device. Of course, the 13 will also be 5G, but in terms of design, the iPhone 13 will retain that that look and feel. The things that will change, there's there's pretty reliable reports that the notch on the screen will be a lot smaller than what we've seen on previous iPhones. So that that, that space in the top of the screen to accommodate the speaker, the front-facing camera and the sensors is going to be a lot smaller and that means a lot more room then for your apps, for your content, for your websites to browse on that brilliant Retina display. The other report we're hearing too is that Apple may opt for a 120 refresh rate, 120 hertz refresh rate. We've seen that on other phones. Samsung have had it. Other companies have had 120 hertz refresh rate. The thing with those, on the other devices, it's an opt-in. I know on the Samsung phones, you can choose to run your screen at 120 hertz, and that means the the fast the the higher refresh rate means you're going to get a lot smoother scrolling smoother video playback so there is a benefit but the downside and this is in the settings for the Samsung phones it does warn you that it does impact the battery life I think that's what Apple's fear is that's why we didn't see it with the iPhone 12 I don't think Apple was quite ready to offer that 120 hertz refresh rate they were worried that maybe the battery may be impacted well. The reports are there's going to be a bigger battery inside the iPhone 13, and maybe they'll make the 120 hertz refresh rate uh, an optional thing, or a it, it it it'll be more intuitive. So it will kick in depending on what you're doing. So for example, you might be watching YouTube or playing a game. The phone will say, "Okay, well you need 120 hertz right now. Let's let's turn it on for you." But then when you stop and you start scrolling through Facebook or looking at a website. It'll, it'll then bring it back down to 60 or 90 hertz based on what you're doing. There is actually on the iPad Pro, the recent iPad Pro was a new feature called ProMotion. So this is a 120 hertz refresh rate. iPad Pro has a much bigger battery though, so not, not going to impact as much as it would on an iPhone, but I'd love to see a 120 hertz refresh rate on, uh, on an iPhone. The other, the other rumor is that the camera bump will be slightly larger. Of course, they're going to improve the camera somehow. There, there'll be, uh, be, I think, better autofocus, some other better features. But the actual bump on the back of the on the back of the phone is going to be larger. There's already there's already mock-ups floating about these these dummies floating around that case companies uh, circulate to test their new cases. And word is that the larger camera bump means that a case that you will work with the iPhone 12 will not quite fit on the iPhone 13. The other area of speculation with the new iPhone is what it's going to be called. 
There, it, it, people are wondering: Is Apple going to be superstitious? Is Apple going to be like one of these hotels that doesn't have a thirteenth floor? Is Apple going to call their iPhone the iPhone thirteen? There's a lot of speculation where, uh, in in years gone by, when the design of the phone hasn't changed very much. What Apple tended to do is to call that the S model. So we had the 6S, the 7S. So could this be the 12S that we see this year? No 13, and then maybe skip to 14 in 2022. I don't know. Personally, I think Apple has no real regard for superstition. I think they'll they'll press on with the number 13. They're the sort of company that kind of marches to the beat of their own drum. They don't really follow those sorts of things, but time will tell. In mid-September is probably when the announcement's going to be made and the the phone, the iPhone 13 or the 12S, whatever it's going to be called, goes on sale in late September. Uh, and now finally in this segment, we're going to talk about the Google Pixel 6. That's the other rumor doing the rounds. Android fans, a big, uh, they love their Google Pixel 6. It is a an Android purist's phone. Normally the first device also to feature Android's brand new operating system. In this case, it'll be Android 12 that will be pre-installed likely to be two models, the Google Pixel 6, which is a 6.4-inch display, and the Google Pixel 6 Pro, or, or Pixel 6 XL, I think they've had in the past, it will be a 6.7-inch display. It'll have a, a different squarer shape to it. Uh, there'll be a hole punch in the display for the selfie camera, and multiple cameras on the rear panel. Google in the past have had single lens uh, on their on their phones and still came up with remarkable results. But I think they're, they're looking at what their their uh, their rivals are doing. The the other companies that are producing smartphones are all putting in extra lenses. So I think uh, the Google the crowd at Google decided to move with move in that direction and offer a second camera. So two lenses on the Pixel Six and arranged horizontally and three lenses on the Pixel 6 Pro, uh, also arranged horizontally. So expect to see an even better camera on an already good camera system. The Pixels were always great, uh, had great cameras on their on their phones. The other thing too, they're also likely to have a 120 hertz refresh rate. I think that could be the key new feature among all the new devices this year. So uh, expect to see that in early October. So uh, some pretty exciting news there. If you are in the market for a new smartphone, I'd hang off a little bit. Don't go buying a new iPhone or, or a Samsung device right now. There are some new announcements just around the corner. If you want to read more about those new smartphones, see some mock-ups too. There's some pictures of some leaked images or alleged leaked images of what we can expect. You can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, I know I mentioned earlier us here, people here uh, with us in New South Wales, we're currently in a bit of a lockdown situation. The Premier has actually told people, don't leave your home, stay home. We've got to try and get this under control. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of people going a little bit stir crazy. A lot of people, uh, they, they've they had their kids. It was actually the two, the period of the initial lockdown was this exact two weeks of the school holidays here in New South Wales. So, uh, yeah, those families, he uh, didn't have the, they might have had plans to travel plans to do things to go away for their for the school holidays unfortunately they were knocked on the head because of the uh, the lockdown but here's the thing trying to keep yourself occupied and sane during these lockdown periods and i know that 
parents, I think the easiest thing for a parent to do is to uh, give their child a screen, give them an iPad or a tablet or something, and just to say, right, yeah, just go go do something with this. And I don't know how strict you are in your household with your kids and, and their screen time, but there are other alternatives. And, and one of them is the Cricket Maker 3 and the Cricket Explore 3. These are smart cutting machines. So in other words, you can get creative so still using technology, but not staring into an iPad or mindlessly just looking at stuff on YouTube. Here's something you can all do together as a family. Get creative with the new Cricut machines. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the Cricut, this is a huge ecosystem that is massively popular with customers. People who buy their Cricut machines are DIYers, fans of arts and crafts, and they can really flex their creative muscles. So this is a, a machine that is not only a smart cutter, there's a little blade inside that can cut various materials into shapes and words and patterns. But there's also, if you want to put inside it, you replace the, the, the blade with a pen, it can also draw things and, and you can create. The limit is your imagination, whether it's just a, a card you want to, maybe a birthday card, or create a transfer for a T-shirt or a pattern for a pillow, make a new pattern for a coaster, wall art, vinyl artwork, etched glasses, a mug, leather goods, centerpieces, you name it, the cricket can do it. And not only do you have the machines, there's two two of the new machines. For one is the Explore 3, the other is the Maker 3. The difference in, in these are just the sizes and their capabilities. But also what you can, the things that are available to you are various different materials whether you want to use paper or cardboard or vinyl or leather. There's all these things that be cut into various shapes, patterns and designs. It does have a companion app that allows you to choose perhaps maybe the design of a card. So it might it might cut various shapes out of the card. You maybe put a different coloured card, an insert into the back so you can actually see what, what you've cut out. The possibilities are endless. For, for those of you listening who have heard about the cricket or a fan of cricket, you're probably nodding your head right now about how much you love this product and how once you get started, it's one of those things where you just want to do more and more and be a lot more creative. You can do so much with these new machines. Now, Cricket community, as I said, very passionate. They always share their creations on social media. They're not shy there. Uh, you can, as I said, purchase materials like paper, vinyl. There are other accessories as well, like tools and presses. The presses can actually apply your creations to T-shirts and shoes, along with other objects like coasters and mugs. You can even create a pattern for a mug. So uh, they do work with a variety of materials, whether it's smart vinyl, smart iron-on, or smart paper. Paper. Now, creators can now go even bigger. Thanks to these new machines, you can now create cuts. So that's what you put inside the machine. And it used to require a, a mat. It is now a matless design. You can create cuts that are up to 3.6 meters in length. Now, for those of you with an older cricket machine, your mind has just been blown probably right now because you were limited to the size of paper, the size of the cutting mat. Well, now imagine taking those restrictions, those limits, 
and they are now gone. These new machines, as I mentioned, are matless, so you can go creating even larger and grander designs and and creations. So the Cricut Explore 3, that's 499 bucks. You can create more than 100 different materials, including cardstock, vinyl, glitter paperwork, cork. You can make an endless array of DIY products and then embellish your projects with text, illustrations, easy-to-fold things. It is remarkable what you can create. The Cricut Maker, which is the top of the line, that's 699 bucks. This is a very powerful and versatile machine, can create with more than 300 materials, from delicate paper and fabric all the way through to tougher materials like leather and even balsa wood uh, with amazing precision. So these are two great new products from Cricut and as I said, once you get in, involved with these things, it is really addictive. You'll want to create even more. And what better way to spend these hours if you are in New South Wales and are locked down with your family? This is something you can all do creatively. Come up with something, make it together. The Cricket Maker 3, which is $6.99, and the Cricket Explore 3, which is $4.99. They're both available from Harvey Norman and Spotlight. If you want to see more, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private, online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the review this week is the EFM Austin 25-watt Bluetooth speaker. Now, it's called Austin, I understand, because it's named from after the famous Texas city, Austin, Texas, which is known as the live music capital of the world. I don't know whether you agree with that, but that's why it's called the EFM Austin. Uh, it is a Bluetooth speaker, 25 watts of power on board. It's a cylindrical speaker has an IPX7 rating, which means you can take this thing anywhere. It's waterproof, shockproof, and uh, it does sound pretty good. Now, this is a Bluetooth speaker, so really easy to pair with your smartphone. So uh, when you turn it on and it goes straight away into pairing mode, you can uh, have it up and running and listening to your music in minutes, in seconds, I should say. It's really quick. Now, the speaker has that cylindrical shape, so you can listen to it uh, when it's flat, or you can stand it up on one end and still hear great, great audio. That's what impressed me about it. It is quite impressive with the clarity you get, but also too how loud it can go. This is You can turn this up at its highest volume. It will easily fill a room with sound. But even at that high volume, I was really surprised for a speaker of this price that there was hardly any distortion. That's what, That really impressed me that it's really loud, but yet still quite clear. 
Now there is a, a nice level of bass without being over the top. It's it's I've called it bold without being over the top. So whatever type of music you like to listen to, it is going to sound pretty good on the EFM Austin speaker. Now this is not only a product that sounds good, but it also looks good. It does put on a little bit of a light show. So the end caps on the speaker, which actually bounce around when when you're playing your music, there is a nice little LED circle on either end that transition through all the colours gradually. They're actually quite mesmerising. You, you look at it, uh, you see the uh, the logo bouncing because that's the, the music's being played. But the colours also change gradually as well. It, it cycles through the whole range of colours, goes orange and green and blue and red and then back to orange again. It does all these this nice little transition. So uh, not only sounds good but also looks pretty good as well. 25 watts of power, which is pretty decent, and as I said, pretty good bass as well. Doesn't matter how you place it either, whether it's on its end or on, on the side, it does sound good, so uh, you, 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 you do get a good result there. Now, the, the ba- on the battery side, you get about eight hours on a single charge, which is pretty impressive, and that, that's good if you want to go out for the day. You've got a speaker that's going to last the whole day. It does. Uh, you can charge the speaker through the USB-C port under the removable rubber panel. There's a little rubber panel on the back. I really found it hard to get that rubber panel to pop it up so I could get to the charger. I had to get a pen or a knife and dig it out. So um, that was uh, it's in there. Once it's in there, it's in there. All right. It's very hard to open up again. Uh, what I didn't find under there though, there's a charging USB-C charging port. I thought maybe that would have included, as as we've seen on other Bluetooth speakers, a USB 2.0 port to maybe be able to charge your phone uh, on the move if you have to. So that that's a common feature we've seen with other Bluetooth speakers is the ability to charge other devices. Uh, using the USB port and use some of the battery power there. But not to be with the EFM, that's okay. It's not a deal breaker, but it would have been nice to see it. The EFM Austin, as I said, eight hours of battery life uh, is really handy to take with you anywhere because it has that that amazing IPX7 rating. So even if you drop this in water, it's not a problem at all. So good sound does look good. The colours are great when, when the LEDs are playing as well. Uh, it's priced at 279 bucks, so there is actually a cheaper model and a more expensive 40-watt model as well. So this is this kind of the middle the middle speaker. If you do want a little bit more, maybe a little bit bigger, there is a, a, a product. It does cost more, of course, or if you want something smaller, there is a smaller Austin in the range as well. The 25-watt is the middle speaker. The EFM Austin 25-watt Bluetooth speaker. It's priced at $279.95. And if you want to check out our review, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. Now, as promised, our next two reviews are products that can keep your home clean and healthy. Let's start with clean and we're talking about the Karcher FC7. This is a vacuum and a mop in one. It's a two-in-one cordless floor cleaner. Now, Karcher, as you probably already know, is a brand associated with high-pressure cleaners. So if you want to gurney your driveway, then a Karcher is a product you would look at. 
But in this case, this is both a vacuum and a mop. So they've sort of taken their, their technology and applied it to use inside the house on your hard floors. Now, it's a pretty lightweight unit, has a rechargeable battery, has the trademark yellow chassis, the yellow highlight, so similar to their other products. Uh, it does have four detachable rollers and also has dual water tanks which I'll talk about in a minute, but we gave it a whirl on our tiled floors. We have tiles here, pretty light-coloured tiles, so the dirt shows up pretty easily. You do need to keep on top of them uh, to give them a clean because uh, the dirt shows up so easily. So we are, we are often mopping up here uh, at our place, and we've got a couple of dogs as well, so there's normally some dog hair, a little bit of dirt, some crumbs and other little debris on the floor. And traditionally, before we do a mop, uh, we use a steam mop sometimes as well, we do need to vacuum or sweep up first. So that that's that sort of takes a little bit more time. But with the Karcher, with the FC7, you don't have to do that. It'll vacuum the floor and mop it at the same time. So I thought, well, how, that, that's great. It's going to save me some time. So the unit has four rollers. So when it's working, there is a... Uh, it is battery battery chargeable, takes about four hours to charge, runs on for about 45 minutes. But there are the two water tanks that I mentioned. So the top water tank is where you put the clean water. Clean water goes in, a couple of drops, a little cap full of detergent, and that then is, is comes down to the rollers, and that's the water you use to clean up. But then what happens, there's another tank located between the rollers on the floor, and the dirty water is then brought up into that other tank. So you're not recirculating dirty water. You're only using on the rollers the clean water. Remarkable. So you're not recirculating your dirty water. And then at the end of your clean, you take that the tank between the rollers and then you tip that out of the sink. And that's normally got all the debris, all the crumbs, all the dirt, and that comes out. And, and like a vacuum, you do need to do a bit of maintenance for every few cleans. Like get maybe the pet hair out of the out of the roller heads and there's uh, what I like about it, it all comes apart pretty easy so you can get to things and rinse them under the tap and then get ready to go for your next clean. So the it does it does when it's working it does glide really easily on the floor so if you want to go forwards or backwards or sideways it's like a little hovercraft it feels like it's floating on a cushion of air really easy to do so really easy to guide around obstacles and around your furniture so it's really no effort to get that really good clean and I've got to say I was really impressed with the clean normally as I said we use the steam mop and it this this uses cold water by the way so don't think this is a steam mop this just uses cold water combined with the detergent and the rollers uh, to come up with a really impressive result so the Karcher is a uh, Really handy cleaning solution. The the rollers, you can detach them if you want to put them in the washing machine or give them a rinse under the tap, but that doesn't need to be done every single time. It, it, it is, as I said, like your vacuum. You take a look at your vacuum cleaner and you do clean up after every few cleans to clear the base a little bit. Uh, same thing goes for here. There is a way as well. It does come with a little charging stand that it sits on. So the, the charge actually connects into the handle, but it has a little stand that it rests on. The bottom of the stand is actually a little cleaning station as well. You put a little bit of water in it, turn it on, and it does. it is the right shape to give the rollers a bit of a clean. So it sort of lets it spin its wheels a little bit in this little basin for you to get a, an, a, the rollers nice and clean again. Uh, powered by a 25.2-volt lithium-ion battery. As I said, four hours to completely recharge and runs for up to 45 minutes, which is plenty of time to clean all your hard floors. We did it uh, in less than that and got a really good result to go with it. 
the Karcher FC7. It's priced at $799. And as I said, it does the vacuuming too and a mop. It's available from Harvey Norman. So uh, if you want to check it out, we've got our review. You see some pictures, and that is actually, uh, that's my hand holding it, but that's my wife's hand rinsing it out in the sink afterwards, just in case you're wondering. But that is actually my floor as well, if you want to check out what sort of tiles we're rocking at, uh, at our place. The Karcher FC7, 799 If you want to check out our review, techguide.com.au. Okay, we've done clean. Now it's time to do healthy. And I'm talking about the Dyson Purifier Hot and Cold Formaldehyde Machine. Now this is a a fan, so it's hot, cold, but it's also an air purifier. And in this, in this time, I've mentioned a couple of times already that we are in lockdown. We're supposed to stay at home. We're supposed to stay indoors. And I think it's more important than ever to have a very healthy home. And by that, I mean improving the air quality at your place. I think people are under the misconception that the air inside your house is clean. But it's actually, you'll be surprised, it's the opposite. Because the air in your home is, can't go anywhere. And there are things in your home that could affect the quality of your air. Uh, We're talking about gases and odors and various things, but also, as it says in the title, formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is this colorless gas pollutant, and it's found in, in so many things. It's in insulation. It's in paint. It's in wallpaper varnishes, household cleaning products. It's also actually released by furniture and wooden products that have formaldehyde-based resins like plywood and fiberboard. So basically, formaldehyde's everywhere. So it's a good, a good chance there is formaldehyde in your home. Now, the challenge with formaldehyde in the past has been it's very hard to filter, very hard to capture because formaldehyde particles are 500 times smaller than particles the size of 0.1 microns. So filtering them, yes, is very hard. But Dyson's cracked the code with their new the new purifiers and filters. So what for those wondering what would happen, okay, we've got formaldehyde, but what happens if, if we have it in our home? It can cause a variety of irritations, including eye, nose, and lung irritation. So if you've got maybe sore eyes or runny noses or irritations, it could very well be the formaldehyde in your place. So we set it up at our place and... The product is a, is a nice size. It's a medium size. It's not the really big tall unit or the small circular. It's in the middle. So this is large enough to cool and heat efficiently, but also small enough to carry around to any room in your house. So it's not it's no, no problem to take it up to your bedroom to filter your bedroom or heat it up, cool it down uh, before you go to bed. So that, that was pretty cool. It does have, you can pair it with the Dyson app as well. So you can not only control the device, but also see the information like the air quality, the temperature, humidity. And using the app also means you can control the device from anywhere. Uh, from anywhere on your network. So if you turn it on, in, a, you can turn it on in another part of your house. So say, as I mentioned, you might have put it in your bedroom, you're able to turn it on before you go to sleep from the lounge room. So by the time you get to bed, the room's at the right temperature, filtered, air's filtered nicely, so you can get a nice, comfortable night's sleep uh, and knowing that the air quality is going to be a lot cleaner. So 
you know, the formaldehyde, that's a big feature, but there's other things in your home like benzene, nitrogen dioxide. You, there's also industrial emissions, pollens, allergens, bacteria, fumes, cooking odors. These can all add up to irritations. So if you uh, maybe have allergies, you, you've got sensitivities, your kids might have them. This is not only a way for you to stay cool and get warm, but also a way to improve the air quality at your place. And it's got the HEPA plus carbon filter that can capture 99.9% uh, of particles that are as small as 0.1 microns. But what gets the formaldehyde are the catalytic filters that come into play. So what happens, the unit traps formaldehyde and then converts it into water and CO2 through the catalytic filter. And the good thing about that is that the filter is self-regenerating, so you'll never need to replace the catalytic filter. So all the filters are in the base of the unit, really easy to access, easy to install once you get it out of the box. Uh, and the good thing about it too, once it's in there, it ain't getting out. So it prevents the pollutants leaking back into the air. You don't want that. You want to purify and you want to keep it there. It's like the Ghostbusters. They catch the ghost, they've got to contain it. They've got to put it in that little box. But not just a filter, not just a purifier. It also can heat and cool your room as well. Uh, we had ours in a, we've got a pretty big living area and when you're sitting close to it, it keeps you warm. If it's in a sort of a small to medium-sized room, it does sort of keep circulating the heat and cool air throughout the room. If you've got a really big open-plan room, uh, then it might not be as effective unless you're sitting right in front of it. But if, if you do have a like a, a perfect size for a bedroom, it's a perfect product for a bedroom, a lounge room, a smaller room that you want the, the air to be clean and, and healthy and warm or cool, then this is the ideal product for you. Now, this is uh, not a cheap product. It's nine hundred and ninety nine bucks. It is. It is the best filter. No other filter can capture formaldehyde as well as uh, as well as the Dyson. So it does have that advantage. Uh, it does outperform other products in terms of airflow, heating, cooling, and just the sheer level of filtration. So um, it and, and including formaldehyde. That that's that's pretty impressive. So. Yes, it, it's kind of an investment if you if you want to improve the air quality in your house and, and by doing that the health of your family, it could be well worth it. I think if uh, you or your loved ones, especially if you've got allergies and, and other sensitivities, then this could be the product that can, that can make a huge difference in your life and the general health and well-being of your family, but also to just the air quality in your home as well. Something really important to consider. The Dyson Purifier Hot and Cold Formaldehyde, 999 bucks. If you want to check it out, it's at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. 
Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good mates at Belkin. Belkin's the product, uh, the company you want if you're after some cables, some speakers, cases, you name it. Belkin make it all. Uh, check out their website, belkin.com forward slash au. A couple of things we're talking about on the help desk today. I do get a lot of calls about people receiving random calls from numbers that look like Aussie numbers. They're obviously, they're, there is a lot of uh, cyber criminals who try to, they spoof numbers that look like Australian mobile numbers, which, which means you're more likely to answer the call. Uh, and people ask me, can I block those calls? Well, you can, and that would work for that particular number. But the problem is they use these randomly generated numbers. So you think of how many numbers there are in a normal phone number. There is, what is it? There's there's four, seven, there's 10 numbers in a mobile phone number. So imagine how many combinations of numbers they can create. And yes, you can block them, but there are, there's, a, there's 20 billion other numbers they can come up with as well. In fact, I got a call last week from a woman who says, I just received a call from your number. And I looked and I said, well, your number hasn't come up. I, I didn't call you. I don't even know you. And she said, okay, well, I, I did explain to her that I said, what's probably happened is some 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 bastard has imitated my number to try to scam her. She hasn't answered the call, thankfully, but she's called me back and that's that's the result of my number. What are the odds? I, I wish they were the odds for Powerball the, the, of my number being used to try to scam people. So yes, you can block the numbers, but guess what? They're going to just generate another one, and you know, you know, keep blocking if you want. It's going to make a difference, I guess, if that number's attempted again. But um, if uh, they're just going to try even more. Uh, the other thing to do, we're going to talk about before we wrap up the help desk. The, the whole situation here in New South Wales, one of the rules is that you can't go out unless it's for essential items. And um, that, I, I guess, is the uh, essential, depends on the person, what, what they consider to be essential. In terms of tech, I think that's essential because there are a lot of people who maybe desperately need a new a new keyboard or a better Wi-Fi or, or a, a laptop to, to do their jobs, to work and learn from home. The, the ruling is that you're not allowed to browse in stores. So if you rock up the JB Hi-Fi, they're going to stop you at the front of the store and say, what, can, what do you want? What do we can get for you? And you can't just look around. You need to know what you want when you get into the store. A lot of people have been saying, well, look, these stores should be closed. Look, I'm not going to really argue the the two the, the, the pros and cons of that, but I think the situation should be that if the person, uh, that they can maybe order their product online and maybe have a click and collect situation. So they order and pay for it online and they just rock up at, at JB Hi-Fi with an order number and say, yeah, order number 12345, uh, and they, 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 the, per, the person at JB comes back to the front of the store with the product that they asked for that they might desperately need. They, they might need to work from home, they need a new keyboard or a laptop, whatever, then that product is there. So if you're, you're buying it online is one thing, but sometimes people need it right away and being able to go pick up a product on the day is probably the best solution for these people and that click and collect uh, I think would be the best option right there. And we've come to the end of our show for this week, episode 459. We hope you enjoyed it. If you need to find out about anything uh, you can uh, that we've spoken about on the show, you can find it at techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch with us as well, feel free to send us an email. The address is info at 
techguide.com.au or click on my face on Ask the Ask Stephen icon on the Tech Guide homepage. Uh, that will also get an email to me as well. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Please support the sponsors who support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.